This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 467. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, joined today by producer, co-host extraordinaire, Matthew Marister. Super happy to be here, man. And we got uh, Christmas behind us and New Year's in front of us. So we got that sandwiched of uh, of holidays, but it's cool to slide an ep- episode in here while we can. Yep. Yes, sir. And uh, as John here is commenting on YouTube, happy end of 2020, guys. Yes, indeed. I am happy to see 2020 go by the wayside and say hello to 2021. Uh, we hope for and pray for a marvelous 2021 year for all of you and, uh, and, and everyone, wherever you may be throughout the world listening to the podcast. Um, yeah, 2020 has been quite a year. In fact, Jacob and I are going to do another episode. Uh, we'll record it later. Today uh, is the plan, at least right, as of right now, where uh, we kind of do a 2020 year-in review, uh, kind of look back over what has trans- transpired this year uh, with the podcast and with our business and whatever else comes to our mind, I guess. Uh, so it'll be a good good time talking about 2020 and also talking about what's coming in 2021. And I'll just tell you, 2021 is going to be a big year for us here at the Concealed Carry Podcast but and, and at ConcealedCarry.com, uh, the business. Uh, so super excited about some things on the horizon. Today's episode is sponsored by LaserApp.com and their awesome LaserX software. Uh, that I use in dry fire specifically when I want to get measurable data with respect to my shot times, my draw times, uh, reload times, that kind of thing. It, it, it is the method, the one way I know that works flawlessly for being able to actually measure things in dry fire. That, that's the key because dry fire is a valuable tool and it's something that you should all be doing. Dry fire has been an important part of my own pistol skill development journey uh, to get to where I am, and it's all and it continues to be an important part to help me continue to elevate that skill uh, as I go forward. But one of the challenges with dry fire is actually measuring whether you're improving or not. So typically, the 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 old way would be do dry fire, and then you go to the range, and in live fire, you see what are the results, right? And you, and then you could see, yes, the stuff I'm doing in dry fire is working. But what if you could actually see whether the stuff you're doing in dry fire is working in dry fire? And how relevant is this, considering how expensive and hard to find ammunition is these days, right? And that's the thing. Laser, well, the laser software has been around for a number of years now. Laser X has been out for a little more than a year, year and a half, maybe almost two years now. And I mean, the tool is already out there and available. So I'd encourage you to check out the Laser X software at laserapp.com. That's L A S R A P P.com. And today's other episode sponsor is. 
next level training in their fabulous cert training pistols and i say fabulous because they are because they are modeled pretty true to form to their real life counterparts here i'm holding up my p320 uh cert model and uh you know these things are they're, they're a great training tool i think every instructor should have one these are so invaluable for me to use in classes that i teach it allows me to do demonstrations and show things to a class in a manner that would normally be considered unsafe with a live pistol. Uh, but even in, in using this in dry fire, again, this is and this is my, my tool of choice when I want to do things like time transitions or multiple shots, you know, uh, where I have where I where I'm doing strings of fire in dry fire. And you know, because with my striker fired gun, I gotta reset the slide and reset the striker. Uh, I don't have to do that with a cert pistol, and that allows me to expand what I can do and measure performance-wise with the laser app software. So, guys, check out nextleveltraining.com for their full lineup of cert training pistols. That's S-I-R-T. If you're a newbie to the podcast, you know we've, we've talked about them for years, but the cert pistols from nextleveltraining.com. <clears throat> and uh, so they also coincidentally happen to be sponsors of our monthly Shooter Ready Challenge series, which we've been doing for just over a year now. And, you know, when we launched the Shooter Ready Challenge video series, uh, which is published on ShooterReadyChallenge.com, kind of the focus was, hey, let's showcase what Laser X can do over the original Laser Classic version. Uh, and the big thing, the big advantage to Laser X, if you're wondering what's the big difference between Laser Classic and Laser X, uh, the big difference is that Laser X is more is compatible with more devices, works with virtually any internet connected device. And so I'm, I'm a big Apple product user. I've got an iPad, I got an iPhone, I got a MacBook computer, uh, but just because of software development and how difficult it can be sometimes to develop new software from the ground up for Macintosh computers, especially if you're a developer, it doesn't have a specialty in that. Uh, that's how the Laser Classic was developed. It was within the Windows environment. Uh, I actually bought and owned a Windows-based laptop solely for the purpose so I could use Laser Classic. And uh, uh, and then they released Laser X, and I was thrilled that I could actually pull it up on my iPad and set that up and run dry fire drills like what we're going to talk about today and actually measure uh, my performance in dry fire using laser X. Uh, of course, the one thing with laser X is it does require an internet connection, whereas laser classic does not. So kind of, you know, there's trade-offs to all things in life and that's kind of the trade-off that uh, exists between laser classic and laser X. But anyway, in the beginning with shooter rate challenge, we, focused a lot on the built-in challenges. They're baked right into the software in LaserX, all these different challenges. And after a year or so of doing Shooter Ray Challenge and doing a good chunk of those challenges, it was kind of like, you know what? It's time to start branching out and expanding what Shooter Ray Challenge can really be. And so in for the month of December, and it was just released today, a little bit late in the month, but uh, uh, we consider our December challenge because it was released in December. Uh, I put out a new video that shows 
uh, some different ways that I do dry fire practice and specifically how I incorporate a shot timer into dry fire, the use of a shot timer. And then also I, I show you how that works. And then we take you right over to the laser X software and show now let's measure what I'm doing. And now we have good repetitions, good practice uh, with something pushing me via the use of a shot timer, right? So that I'm pushing to co constantly get a little bit better, a little bit smoother, a little bit faster. And then we can actually see those results right now. I don't have to wait to go to the range. I don't have to expend my expensive ammo. I can see real results in dry fire using uh, a, in, in the video, I just use a laser cartridge insert. In fact, we have these, they, they just arrived actually in the warehouse today. The new laser dot training, laser dot trainer uh, cartridges. These are dry fire cartridges that you insert into the barrel. Uh, most of you guys are familiar with these. I'm actually holding one up here. This is the nine millimeter one. You just drop this into the chamber of your nine millimeter pistol. Of course we have them for nine, 40 and 45. Uh, we might have them for, we have, Oh, I think we do have them for, for 380 as well. Uh, so laser dot trainer, I just drop this in the chamber of my actual gun and then I use it with laser X because then when I press the trigger, I get a little instantaneous laser beam that hits the target and laser X can see that. So that is kind of the basis and, and sort of our starting off point, if you will, for the topic of today's podcast episodes work. Matthew and I are going to, talk about how to use a shot timer in dry fire. So first of all, Matthew, uh, you've viewed the uh, most recent Shooter Ready Challenge video. So I kind of wanted to get your take and if you have any feedback or critique for me even. But, uh, <laughs> like, like tell, tell, tell me your thoughts about uh, this month's Shooter Ready Challenge. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, first off, like um, I, you, you kind of uh, set it up where you said some people have asked you, or e I've seen some questions about using the shot timer um, during dry fire, will it pick it up? Right. And so some people believe that, you know, there, there are cer certain shot timers out there, right. That are so sensitive that um, they can pick up, you know, uh, dry fire, the range tech one can't. However, um, we do go into, or you do in the video, which I think is really smart, um, of showing how you can use it in dry fire, um, but not the typical way where you would have a shot timer tell you each time of each shot or your split times and things like that. Um, so just to kind of throw that out there. Um, but I think the video or the, the, the drill was cool because, you know, I I'm normally on these episodes where we talk about the shooter rate challenge and we go through the drills and all that stuff. And, um, I'll be, I'll be honest there. There's probably, if, if you guys that are listening, uh, actually, you know, partake or participate in the shooter rate challenge, I would be, I would be willing to bet that if you legitimately go into doing the shooter rate challenge, even if you haven't done all 52 in the past year, um, that you have gotten better. Uh, it, it'd almost be impossible to get worse by do, going through these drills because, you know, we're breaking them down or you're breaking them down into these individual um, skills and building on each month or each week and doing, um, doing a really good job of 
isolating specific skills and then building on that. So um, utilizing the the software is really good. And I like how you, this week we kind of broke away, like you said, from doing a specific, you know, let's do the <coughs> Dente or let's do this drill and let's just explore how we can use the software, um, you know, without running a specific drill, but how can we use the software in conjunction with other things um, to, to kind of spice it up a little bit or change up, change up the pace of how we're using the software. So I thought it was a a timely and a good call to to kind of uh, expand, expand the use of the software because you can do so much with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and, and while you're kind of on that, topic of sorts uh let's clarify something so when we when we're using the 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 baked in challenges in laser x uh the the laser app team has done a great job of developing those challenge modules uh what i like about them is it's sort of like uh and and you know long long time listeners of the podcast have heard me in the past talk about things like accuracy mode versus speed mode uh, versus match mode or real mode, uh, which, you know, is kind of what, uh, 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 Steve Anderson over at the, uh, uh, that shooting show, uh, podcast that, you know, that I'm I'm using his terminology there as far as that accuracy mode versus speed mode. And I've really, uh, latched on to that method of dry fire where, and live fire practice, where there's times where I focus on, doing things quickly for the sake of getting faster. Cause that's basically what we have to do to get faster is actually practice things faster. Like you have to do things faster. So you start developing uh, those mental, you know, those neuro neur- neurological connections that you need to and uh, uh, establish that uh, you know, the common term is muscle memory to uh you know, make things better and faster and, and start becoming more of a subconscious level of performance versus something where you have to, you know, it's versus the person that has to think, okay, when I draw my gun, I got to, you know, my hand needs to move like this and contact the gun like this and feel this and move in this way. And then draw, you know, like you have to think your way through when something is brand new. Uh, and obviously when we practice more and more, we get, to where it's, we don't have to start thinking. Of, you know, it's like when you drive your car, you don't think about, you know, how you place your foot on the floor and, and how it contacts the gas pedal and the brake pedal and the level of pressure and force and how you modulate that. So you come to a smooth stop instead of a, a jerky one. And of course, everybody, particularly those of you that learned on stick shifts, uh, you remember your first experience, probably learning to drive a manual transmission car and how boy, it, it is it is cognitive overload as you're trying to figure out how you know the that combination of of throttle with release of the clutch and you know making sure that the stick's in the right gear and and you know, like that's a very complicated thing uh, uh, motor skill wise as you're trying you know trying to figure that out and you're getting feedback from the vehicle the engine the you know the RPMs and like. Yeah, there's just so much going on there. And then one day it, it just clicks and all of a sudden you don't even have to think about it anymore. You know, you know exactly how to modulate the throttle along with the release of the clutch and all of that to get a smooth start. Anyway, point is in dry fire, um, to get faster, we have to practice things faster. 
And to get more accurate, we need to practice things that are accuracy related. But in the real world, we have to put those two together, right? And that's so that's how we end up with speed mode and accuracy mode, and then also real mode or match mode in the case of, you know, talking about competition matches uh, for the rest of us in the self-defense world or realm uh, it's, it's real mode. It's time for real. I need to apply all these things I've practiced and learned, draw that gun quickly and efficiently, get it up on target, see my sights on target, press trigger in a manner that allows me to hit things accurately enough to get the job done. So back to where'd I start? I started talking about the cha- the baked in challenges in Laser X. The thing that they did so well in the development of that is you do drills where you kind of start in accuracy mode, right? Where it's all focused on there's not a time restraint, right? It's just do it correctly, get the gun up on target, press the trigger, hit what you're aiming at, and you're being measured on your accuracy. And then you move on to the second phase where it's purely speed and and the computer doesn't penalize you for bad hits. It just, if you're on target anywhere, it counts the same. It's measuring only speed. And then you take the two together in that third phase or that third mode of those challenges. And it's a balance beam, right? It actually shows on the screen, a balance beam, right? And you run a drill and it kind of tells you you're, you were a little bit out of balance. You were faster than you were accurate. You know, it's so like your accuracy suffered because you overemphasize the speed, that kind of thing. It's a really cool way that they brought that together. And it's a great way to practice. I think it's a very naturally progressing method that, that leads to a person to developing skill. Uh, the one thing I'd love to see the team. So guys, if you're listening, okay, John, Jason and team at laser app, um, I'd love to actually see some of the data get spit out as far as like, you see your hits, uh, in those challenges, you, you know, you see where on the target that round went or whatever. But, uh, the thing, uh, the thing I'd love to see added to that is when you're, especially when you're working on the speed mode and the, the, the third mode, the, the match mode or real mode that you get, what was my actual shot time? or splits or total time. Well, you know, I'd love to see that actual time elapsed because what we have to do with laser X or laser classic is we need to use the classic version, if you will, where you set it up, you put your target, you put your hit zone and it's essentially just a virtual shot timer, right? You hit start and it goes beep, you draw, you click your trigger, you get your laser shot on the target and it says, this was your time. Uh, and so in this month's shoot rate challenge, uh, that's, you know, at the, towards the end there, I show you, that, okay, now we've done all this practice. We've worked on speed, we're working on getting faster. Um, I didn't really introduce a lot of accuracy into this month's shoot, you know, shoot rate challenge. It's implied or assumed that you have the requisite skill to make those hits uh, when you want to or need to. Um, but, uh, but it's more of a speed oriented drill. And at the end, what we're looking to get was actual measured shot time data, uh, which is something we didn't get in the older uh, shoot rate challenges with the, you know, just using the baked in challenges. So, um, all right. So, so backing up a little bit here, let's talk about the shot timer and the use of the shot timer in dry fire. So you, you start talking about Matthew, how, 
a common question, you know, people will ask about shot timers is, well, hey, you know, for instance, does the Range Tech Bluetooth shot timer hear or can it pick up the click of my striker being released or my hammer falling, in the case of a hammer-fired gun, in dry fire? And the answer is it is not it's not programmed to be sensitive, sensitive enough to do that. Uh, and here's the thing. I don't know that it's really all that relevant for it to actually be able to do so. I mean, it would be a nice feature. Okay. And, uh, who knows, maybe one day we'll be able to add that to the range tech, uh, shot timer, <clears throat> or maybe it'll have to be in a whole new, new model. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, and to clarify, there's only like two shot timers in the world out of, you know, seven or eight of them or whatever that exists that can't, can pick up things in dry fire. Uh, and only one of them that I've seen that's actually the, that's actually pretty reliable at it. Okay. Uh, so it's not like this is a, it's not like, you know, the range tech shot timer, by the way, is, is just, it's not unique or alone in the fact that it doesn't pick things up in dry fire because most shot timers do not. Um, it's a very challenging thing. You, the, the microphone in this is actually primarily relying on, on wave impulses from the blast of a gun hitting the microphone and it causes this thing to shake and move and voltage then shoots across it and, and it, you know, it registers, Oh, that was a gunshot. Like there has to be this threshold of this sound wave, which is really a, a pressure wave from that gun being fired, hitting that microphone for it to register the shot. Um, in dry fire, that click is very different. Yes, it's still a it's still a pressure wave, if you will, but it's it's very very small. It's really it's 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 not so much a boom. You know, this overwhelming. Uh, you don't certainly feel muzzle blast right when you're pressing the trigger in dry fire. You're literally just hearing a little kink, and that's actually asking quite a lot for that uh, little mic microphone in the shot timer to hear. Um, so, how do we actually use a shot timer in dry fire, Matthew? Like maybe, maybe and give us your own perspective if you want, or if you have something different than, than what I cover in shoot rate challenge, but uh, kind of what's the idea of a shot timer and dry fire? Yeah. I, so I, I think for me, um, I, I, I think about when we're training, when we're doing dry fire and I try to equate it. If I was thinking about how somebody would train in like uh, karate or somebody would train in some other martial art, right? Like mm -hmm. say you're, you're learning how to do a kick or a combination of kicks and punches in, in some sort of martial art, whatever you, you, you know, you, you like um, you, pr they probably wouldn't throw you in the dojo and just start saying, okay, now kick and punch as quickly as you can. We want to just, just kick and then punch. You would build it up, right? Like you would first learn how to kick and then you would learn how to punch and then you would start to put these two things together, but you wouldn't be so concerned about the speed. You would be more concerned about the technique and then the speed would naturally start to come as the technique was more refined. Right. And so I think sometimes in, in shooting, um, we look at, we're always talking about time. Like, you know, the first person to get hits on a target usually, you know, is, is the one that, that is dominant in that fight and probably will walk away. Um, we're talking about, you know, watching sub second draws and that's the gold standard and in, in all these things. Um, so I think there's an inherent, like, desire for us when we're practicing, especially when we're on our own, 
um, to try to just go as fast as we can. And I think if we do that uh, to the um, to the detriment of learning the proper technique, um, we can really end up hurting our our our, our growth um, more than helping it. And so I think um, what you said about you know, we have to learn, we have to push ourselves and do it quickly in order to learn how to do it quickly. Like, um, I don't know if you're writing your name, if you're printing something, you, there's no necessity that you ever practiced it right. Super, super fast. Maybe you, you scratch something down really quickly, but like writing, there's no reason that you have to write super fast. So you, since you never practice that, your brain never formulates the ability to write super fast. I guess people that take down notes, like if you look at stenographers and things like that, they can do that stuff really quickly because they practice that technique quickly. So the idea that at the same time as I'm saying, we have to learn the technique first and then speed will come from it. Well, we do need to test ourselves under speed because if we never do that, our brain will never um, formulate the proper methods to do that tech, that task quickly, right? It will always just know that, okay, this is a task that I can do at this speed. So um, I, I like how you use the shot timer in, in the, the um, shooter rate challenge by first we pick out like a a time that we can perform the rep, whatever it is, whether it's a draw, whether it's a magazine change, whatever it is. In this case, it was uh, the draw to, to the first shot. But uh, you pick out a time that you can successfully do the technique correctly every time. And whether that's, you know, one second, two seconds, three seconds, whatever it is, you make sure that you can get that time consistently and, and perform that rep appropriately and correctly and then you gradually dial down the time putting yourself under a little bit more time constraint to put a little bit more pressure on yourself to kind of test those techniques and and, and then you can kind of see where it starts to fall apart at what you know what uh, time do, do do my mechanics start to fall apart and then you stop there and you work you know, maybe you back it up a little bit and you work on whatever seems to be the holdup and then you get through it instead of just saying, okay, I want a sub-second draw. So let's, let's set the part-time at one second and I'll just continue to go until I, if I, you know, do a hundred draws, eventually I'll get it to one second. It's probably not going to happen. And in the meantime, you're probably building all kinds of, um, bad, bad, uh, uh, fundamentals. So, uh, that's one way to use the timer in dry fire. And obviously you did did in the dry fire challenge, but, uh, I, I thought it was, I thought that was really smart that you, you decided to do that. Yeah. Uh, if you just, here's the thing. And it took me a while to figure this out. Um, it's kind of like the old, the old saying, if you will, it's, you know, it's pretty commonly, uh, floated around in the industry that slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Uh, it is, largely mis it's a statement that's largely misunderstood by shooters as to exactly what it means in the context uh that it was intended for um and uh and in the common way that people think it's true it's really not true because like the thinking is that if you do stuff slow like for instance this is how i used to practice uh is i'd go to the range and I would shoot targets, right? And like 
Hey, I'm just going to do this a bunch of times. And eventually like, it's going to get easier and I'm going to get faster and it's all going to happen automatically. Well, there is some efficiency and speed increase that happens when you do things repeatedly, obviously. I mean, it's a nature of, of human development and growth and learning, but it only goes so far. Uh, if you think that you are, you are automatically going to get fast at shooting a gun and hitting what you're aiming at by just practicing things very deliberately and somewhat slowly, uh, correctly, if you will, uh, it's only going to take you so far. You will not get truly fast. At least you won't get as fast as you could become. Um, so, and that's kind of what I was talking about earlier is like to get fast, you really have to practice fast. You have to practice speed. You have to do things well beyond your comfort zone. And the thing that's frustrating for shooters or can be, at least it was for me for a long time is you think, okay, I'm, I can, I can shoot slowly and I can definitely hit my target. That's not a problem. Uh, but when I decide I'm going to try to do it fast, I just flat out miss. Right. Uh, and that's because there's something missing in that process. Like there has to be something that connects those two, a bridge, if you will. Uh, and what that, well, I don't really want to get too far into the weeds on this. We've done other podcasts to kind of talk about this some, but the point is that I'm trying to make is that you don't automatically get fast just by doing the same thing slowly a gazillion times. It just doesn't work that way. You get, like I said, you get a little faster. But you won't achieve the level that you desire to achieve uh, just by doing the same thing slowly all the time. Uh, now, by the way, speed is not the only – people will probably hear us talking about this sort of thing, Matthew, and think the only thing that matters to them is fast, being fast, going you know, fast, doing, you know, doing things at speed. That's not true at all. Uh, my goal is to hit reasonably small targets at a high rate of speed as fast as I am able to. Uh, if I can do that faster and faster and still maintain acceptable levels of acti- of, of accuracy, then I'm going, you know, like that's going to suit me very well in, in all kinds of contexts, in a competition context, and also in a defensive shooting context, right? He who hits their threat their their opponent with a bullet in a critical area the sooner, the soonest is going to be the winner, right? Well, and you and you can always shoot slower, but mm-hmm. if you, you you can't in the in the in the in the moment you can always shoot slower, but you can't always necessarily shoot accurately quicker unless you know you practice. So um, there's no there's no downside of being a quick shooter. Mm-hmm. And there there's a lot of nuanced. You know, there's there, there's a lot of different areas of skill that we need to get better at. You know, ter- in terms of getting more efficient and getting faster at doing those things. I mean, even down to working the trigger in a manner that doesn't. You know, we don't do anything really crazy as far as disturbing the alignment of the gun, the aiming of the gun on the target as we're working the trigger. Like anybody can press a trigger smoothly when they're doing it slowly. That's not an issue. It's learning how to do that as we pick up the pace, right? But I'll argue, honestly, that the biggest thing that separates medium level, intermediate level, or average level skill shooters from good shooters, really good shooters, 
a lot of it is frankly more of a vision related thing. Yes, there's recoil management involved. You got to be good at that. There, there's, again, there's there's a lot of different areas and, and nuances, but the big one is you can only shoot as well. Like accuracy requires vision, right? I, I have to be able to see what it is that I'm trying to hit. I have to be able to reference and recognize sight alignment of some form. My, my gun is pointed at that thing that I'm looking at that I want to hit. And once I can, once I can do that, once I can aim and align the gun on that target, then I can hit it. So then the goal of a lot of it just is about seeing that and finding that and recognizing that sooner. Right. And then I can do, then I can shoot accurately faster. So a lot of a huge chunk of its vision and dry fire can honestly help a lot with that. All right. Especially if you dry fire with a red dot, by the way, red dot sight on your gun, because it gives so much feedback to what's going on in the movement of the gun as you're doing these manipulations and trigger presses in a dry fire environment. But again, back to the speed component, how do we develop speed? Well, let me give you a strategy. The strategy is you take your shot timer <clears throat> You want to set a you want to set a par time, uh, and you may not even know where to begin. So, I'll say this much: a good place to start might be for for most people somewhere in the two to two and a quarter second range would be a fine place to start, right? Because most of you probably can can draw your gun and get it up on target and press the trigger once in about two seconds or so. Okay. Um, if you can't do that, then you'll want to simply increase your part time a little bit. Okay. But you want to find, you, you basically want to establish what a decent baseline is and then we can work from there. So a little bit of experimentation until you discover what that baseline is and then, you know, you're off to the races. Okay. So <clears throat> the way this is going to go, is uh, let's say I establish a baseline uh, starting point of two seconds. Uh, so I'm going to turn on my shot timer. In the case of Range Tech, I'm going to turn it on. I'm going to open up my Range Tech app on my phone, uh, connect my shot timer to the phone, go into the settings, into the timer settings, and I'm going to set the par time to two seconds. And then when you're doing this, because you're, you're doing this typically, you're usually doing dry fire by yourself. Uh, so that means we're hitting the button on the shot timer ourselves. And we want to make sure we can hit that and get into whatever starting position or stance or whatever. Uh, so it's a good idea to set a, a delayed start of whatever. I usually use two to three or two to four seconds and, and I'll say randomly so that it picks randomly between two and four seconds when this timer is going to go now to be a little more efficient. A lot of times there's a lot of times I'll say random start between two and three seconds. Uh, so I'm not standing around waiting unnecessarily long. Um, <clears throat> so go into the settings, set a, a delayed start. Uh, I prefer random because then you can't cheat it quite as easily. Right? Like if I, if I set my delayed start to be exactly two seconds, it only takes a few reps for you, for your brain to learn that I hit the button and I go one, two, go. And you can start kind of cheating it and, and jumping the timer a little bit. And that's not going to 
it's not going to be a realistic practice for you. You know, you'll start feeling really good about yourself. Like, wow, like that was a, that was a good run. That was a fast run. But you, whether you realize it or not, you subconsciously perhaps jumped that, that start of the timer rather than truly waiting for the beep of the timer. So set your part-time, set your, your delayed start, preferably randomly. And then this is how it's going to go. You're going to get in position, have a target on the wall, whatever. Okay. Uh, the, the wall plate of a light switch is a fine substitute for a target. I do that all the time. Um, if you want to have an actual target, that's fine too. And you're going to press the time, the button on your timer. It's going to then beep. You then be initiate your draw. Okay. And your goal is to get your sights on that target, depress the trigger one time before you hear the second beep. So this is purely honor system, you know, type, type approach in that you've got to be paying attention listening for when that second beep starts. And that's the cue for you to be done. Okay. If you're not consistently getting done within that time frame, then you need to set a little bit. Then you know your baseline is a little bit slower than that. Um, for me, in a lot of my practice sessions, I actually start at about 1.2 seconds for my base for my starting part time. <clears throat> okay, just to kind of give you an idea of where I'm at, Matthew. Do you know what your starting part time is? I usually start at. I usually start at one, if I'm doing like a draw to first shot is like 1.3, I'll start right around there. Cause I, I can normally get around a second. Um, so I, I normally start off on the, on the high end and just kind of work into it a little bit, especially, like I said, I, I, I told you before the, the, um, podcast, I was working on new, new gun, new holster setup. So I was just kind of working into it, but, um, but yeah, 1.3, I mm-hmm. think is, yeah, it's good. So again, I start about 1.2 and my, my goal there is to, um, <clears throat> at 1.2 seconds, like there's no slouching off, right? Like you're no. slacking off there. There's like, you got to move along, but, but that's a very, that's a very easy pace for me. So that's why I picked that. That's a good place to start. I know that I can step up and nail that every time. And that's where I start. The point is, your beginning part time, this baseline, if you will, that's your starting place. Okay. And then where we're going is we're going to be stepping things down. And I, I would just start, uh, or I would, I would do those steps in like 10th seconds increment. Okay. So a 10th of a second. So if you start, at, I, if I start at 1.2, I will do some number of reps. Okay. And there's two strategies for that. You can, you can pick a number. 10 would be the absolute minimum. Uh, you, you know, intense, 10 is fine, but you might, you know, you could, you could pick 20 and, and then the, the other approach is to set a timer. Okay. Or, or a stopwatch or, you know, watch the clock or whatever, and just do however many repetitions you can in a certain time period. Um, probably ideal would be minimum of 90 seconds, maybe two minutes. And you might even pick as long as five minutes. But again, keep in mind, you know, you're probably going to have five step downs at least. So 
ideally, you know, so, uh, you know, you could spend close to a half hour just doing draws, uh, you know, which is good. That's, that's great practice for sure. So it's, it's, it, it, but this is for you to determine, like how much emphasis are you placing on this particular skill? Uh, how, how, you know, someone that's fairly new to drawing a gun, they're going to want to spend a lot more time working on draws, right. Than somebody else that already kind of has that down. So for me doing 10 reps is pretty good. Uh, I might increase that rep count, the lower that part time gets because I'm really trying to, that's, that's where I'm really doing the work. So I'll start at 1.2, do, let's say 10 reps, step it down to the part-time to 1.1, do 10 reps, then set my part-time down to 1.0 seconds, do 10 reps, and then set it down to 0.9 and then 0.8 and 0.7. And from concealment, um, I'll get down to a 0.6 and, and I, I pretty much can't, it, and it's, it starts getting difficult to judge if I'm actually hitting the part-time at that speed because a 0.6 part-time sounds about like this beep, beep, right? Like it's, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of time there. Um, but, but that, that's the point. That's where my work is occurring. I am working at trying to achieve this goal of getting of drawing the gun and up on target and pressing the trigger in, in that time frame, right? And I can nail a 0.9 draw all day long pretty consistently. 0.8 I can hit, you know, from concealment here and there. Um, 0.7 I've done. I, I've, you know, many times I've hit draws in 0 0.75, 0 0.76, 0 0.78. I'm talking in live fire. Right. But not consistently. You know, those are sort of like the the miracle runs, if you will, like the, the stars aligned and like, bam, you know, and I just nailed it. Right. Um, and, and so a point seven part time is a, is a that's pushing me for sure. And then a point six is like it's dang near impossible for me with my current skill. Uh, but it's awesome to really push for that and really try. And so that's kind of the approach is you want to you want to set that starting point and you want to whittle your way down until you pretty much can't hit the part time anymore but stay there and stay with it for a little while because that's where you're going to start kind of developing that you know you, that's where that skill development start that's where the work is really occurring is kind of from that it's really from about that halfway you know that happy medium but and then down right as that time is decreasing and that's that's where the the work is really, really, really happening. Um, and, 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 and the cool thing with a shot timer approach like this is that that is, um, it, it's a moving goal, right? You're moving the goalposts and, and it sort of gives you that, Oh, I can do it. Like, you know, it gives you that thing to really strive for. And that motivation is, is also very beneficial when we're trying to develop skill like this. Um, so that's, that's the idea. That's the idea behind using a shot timer in dry fire. Um, and this can be applied to all kinds of things. So you can use the same approach with reloading a magazine, for instance, you can use the same approach to do micro drills and a micro drill is taking say a one shot draw and breaking it down into, into sections, mm -hmm. right? Like how long does it take for me just to go from 
right in front of my chest, for instance, with my gun, as my hands have just basically so where the hands join to full extension press trigger. How long does that take, right? Now, it gets sometimes with micro drills and shot timers, by nature, the fact that your part or that your start and part time beeps usually are around 0.3 seconds long, that usually anything less than 0.6 seconds is not particularly perceivable. Excuse me. Start getting down like in the 0.5, 0.4, it starts not really, yeah, giving you that much benefit because you can't really hear the, the distinct beeps that well. Um, but, but this hopefully gives you, but this is especially effective for, uh, for reload micro drills, right? So, so the one thing I like doing is for a micro drill is just going from hands on gun, both hands on my gun to hitting my mag release and getting my hand indexed on the magazine in the pouch and then back and then that, you know, so like, I'm just, I'm basically just working on and measuring the time to get my hand to the magazine. And then you can do it from there to getting it in the gun in, in any combination, any way you can think of to take larger chunks or skills or skill sets and breaking them down into smaller digestible bites where you can really focus your energies on the thing that's giving you the biggest trouble. For instance, right now, I don't have a problem getting my hand from my gun down to the mag pouch and hitting that consistently and indexing on the Mac. I have more struggle getting from that magazine as it's coming up and hitting the, the, the mag well opening of the gun, which is probably what most people, honestly, you know, that's a common thing. Like that, that's, you're going very fast and trying to get that mag up it back into the gun very quickly. Um, so I, I certainly practice the whole reload routine, but I spend a, a good chunk of time just working on from mag pouch to gun, mag pouch to gun, mag pouch to gun. And the other thing I've noticed that I struggle with a little bit, Matthew, is once that occurs, getting the grip back together and gun back on target consistently. So it's not that I have a problem rebuilding the grip so much as it is somewhere in that process, my, my dot or my sights are not coming back to the target as consistently as I'd like, you know, cause then I would actually shave some time off just by nature. If I can get that cleaned up and when I go back on target, the dots right, right where I want it to be, you know? So anyway, all right, sorry. I could go and go and go with, with a topic like this, but that's the idea is you're using the shot timer as the tool that constantly pushes you and gives you that little carrot dinging at the dangling it, you know, in front of your face that, Oh, you got one second, bro. Ooh, okay. All right. Let's see if you can get 0.9 and just constantly hope, you know, that's the idea. So hopefully it keeps pushing you to strive for more and more and more. And, and I would add also that um, we also don't want to um, put hang too much on the time that we're getting. For example, um, it, depending on the type of clothing you might be wearing, right, you're, it might affect your draw. So obviously it's wintertime here in Ohio, um, in, in Colorado, and, and, and so you're probably wearing different clothes, probably not going outside wearing just a T-shirt. So your draw may be hindered a little bit by wearing a big heavy jacket. So it mm -hmm. would benefit you to actually practice reps 
using, you know, uh, uh, the shot timer, uh, dry fire and wearing a jacket. Right. So if you do that and, you know, we have a tendency as humans, I think, to like kind of gravitate to the things we're good at and kind of push away the things we're not uh, so good at. And those are the things that we sometimes need to work on more. So if mm-hmm. you're if you're burning it up with your with your draws and everything like that and you're saying, man, you know, I, I'm, I'm down to the point where I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm feeling confident I'm doing good. Well, try a different try a different hand position start from a different hand position start with holding your cell phone in your hand and see okay how long does it take for me to drop the cell phone and then move that hand to clearing the garment or or doing what you know what you might have to do or maybe um you know maybe start with your hands like you're pushing a shopping cart put them on the on the counter and then have to move them from there or with a jacket like i said or with a tucked in shirt versus it you know it, it there it doesn't necessarily have to be one way once you get that that time that you want and you just continue to, to, you know, churn the wheels there, um, become more diverse in your, your training in, in the way you practice, because, you know, unless you wear the same thing every day and you do the same thing every day, um, you're, you're likely not going to just have that perfect, you know, moment. It, hopefully it never happens, but you know, where you're wearing a t-shirt, it's not cold out. You, you don't have anything in your hands. You see the, the threat before that, you know, and, and all these things come into play. So, um, like you said, to begin with, it's likely going to be, um, we're not going to perform as well as we do, uh, in real life. We're probably not going to get that same, um, you know, 0.6 draw if it's a total surprise in the middle of the night, right. Or we're pumping gas and somebody pulls a knife on you. It's probably not going to be that 0.6 draw. Um, we want to get it as close to that as we can, but, um, but we we want to be prepared for for whatever might might happen. So um, yeah. that that's another way you can kind of keep the the training fresh and and, and uh, challenging. Let's be to to be clear. Uh, it, it's not about being able to draw your gun in a self defense context in 0.6 seconds or whatever, exactly. right? Like there's a point of diminishing returns. First of all, right. For where, for instance, there's a there's a big difference between being able to draw and put a round on tar- a good round on target in 1.2 seconds and say two seconds. There's a big difference. Like even 1.2 seconds is a pretty good spicy. Like if you can do that consistently all day long, even 1.5 seconds or anything 1.5 and less. Is pretty good. It, it's going to serve you well in many contexts. Being down closer to a second is is better, I think. Much more below that, it starts really, I think, not having so much of a, you know, just diminishing returns. Uh, for interesting context on this, you can go re- listen, re-listen to the uh, podcast I did with John Korea. Uh, it's been a while now, so I don't know. I'd have, to, I'd have to really look to see what episode this was. But but if you search the podcast feed for John Korea, uh, there's an episode we did. And we talked about uh, uh, kind of these, uh, these, these cues, if you will, uh, as it relates to draw speed. And he explained and laid out from all the gunfights that he's watched uh, – the the numbers that come you know the data that comes out of that is essentially what you can do with draw speed at certain thresholds as it relates to what is you know, it, it's the classic like you have a robber or somebody that's trying to hurt you 
uh, you know, some kind of self-defense situation playing out where it's very interpersonal. They're right there and they've already got, you know, you at a disadvantage and you're sort of like, okay, where's my opportunity? I do feel like that the way this is going, I need to defend myself, but where's my opportunity? Like it's, it's the waiting for your turn concept. And the, the difference is, is if the robber takes their eye off of you and looks, you know, glances left and then brings their eye back to you versus do they have to turn their head, you know, 90 degrees versus, you know, and then coming back to you. Like that's the difference, right? Like if someone turns their head 90 degrees to look over there or talk to somebody to their, to their side and then come there, you know, bring their head back. That's like, if I, if I remember correctly, you know, one, 1. 1.5 seconds, that'll get, you know, that's enough for you to get the work done, meaning draw the gun, get around a target before they recognize that you're react, that you're doing something right. Um, to counter ambush them. Right. So if you, if they got to turn their head and then come back, it's going to take them 1.5 seconds minimum to be able to respond to that. If they turn their head just a little bit offline and come back, say 45 degrees, it's like one and a quarter seconds. If somebody takes their eyes off of you, don't necessarily, you know, not necessarily turning their body or their head, but they take their eyes off of you and come back, it'll take them about a second to, to recognize that you're drawing your gun for them to then respond to you. So that's an interesting context. And that's a very specific thing, but it's an interesting context that kind of can show you how, depending on your level of skill and performance, might give you different tools or additional tools that you can use in certain contexts to be able to defend yourself or, and have an opportunity, a little window that, you know, you, you can take advantage of because your skill level's here versus, you know, being slower or whatever. Um, anyway, um, the point here, it, I wanted to explain that and kind of revisit that, that episode I did with John Korea. I think I thought it was a really eye opening uh, concept and an episode that we did a while back. The other thing is my, my point in pushing for excellence in my skill as it relates to Drawing and shooting my gun in a defensive context is not about being able to do that at point second, six seconds or whatever, or half second. You, you know, if I can ever achieve that from concealment, uh, maybe, maybe not. It's not about that. It's the fact that the, that I can do it at that level in practice on a square range means I can do it in real life at point nine and one second easily all day long. That's what it's about, okay? For you to have, like, in a critical incident, you want 100, you, you want absolute certainty. You want 100% confidence that you have what it takes to use that gun or that tool or whatever it is to defend your life. And you only have 100% confidence if you know you could do it every single time on demand, even cold. And to know and to develop that level of confidence, it means you have to push yourself beyond that performance level to something kind of insanely fast and ridiculous and stupid so that it's like, hey, I know I can do this. And therefore, it means doing this slightly slower, slightly less intense 
you know, performance level or standard, like that's easy. So when I say I can draw and put a round on target at seven yards at 0.9.95 seconds all day long with absolute confidence in it, it's because I pushed myself beyond that place. Does that make sense? And I put a comment on the screen here, by the way. It's an interesting comment from John Shriver. Didn't Jacob talk about a visual versus sound for better results? Uh, I, I, I don't know if I don't know if better results is the right way to describe that, as opposed to it's different and it's good to practice and, and arguably better because in the real world, visual stimuli is more prevalent than auditory ones. Um, but yeah, Hey, you know what? This is a great point. Cause in dry fire, I can use my range tech shot timer and put it down in, you know, down range in front of me in my dry fire dojo. And I can look for that green light as opposed to paying attention to the, to the beep. So absolutely. And that's why we're proud of the fact that we manufacture and sell the range tech Bluetooth shot timer that has that visual, uh, start light, you know, indicator, um, that pretty much no other shot timer really has or uses. So, uh, you get the auditory as well as the visual. Absolutely. So that, that is definitely a good thing. And I've been making uh, use of and taking advantage of that more, uh, in recent uh, history. So absolutely. So, um, I hope this has been a helpful episode to some of you guys out there and provide you some, some ideas and context for dry fire, as well as how to incorporate a shot timer that we normally think of as being a live fire tool into your dry fire practice and routine. Because this honestly has been, once I figured out how to use a shot timer in dry fire, that started making a huge difference in the benefits that I received from dry fire practice. Matthew, your final take? No, agree. Totally. It's, and that's the thing. It's not so much um, sometimes that we don't have the effort, right? Like the effort to get better or the effort to train or the desire to train. It's um, our focus or our, 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 um, technique in the training itself. How do we train that really takes you to the next, you know, kind of breaks through that little barrier and gets you to the next level where you start to see actual, uh, progress in certain areas that you didn't see before. So it's not a lack of desire. A lot of times it's just a lack of, uh, or a, a difference of training technique. Um, and this is one of those things that you can do to, to, to kind of unlock those or break through those kind of barriers, self and self and inflicted barriers i guess yeah well you know and, and you're exactly right about that and and it's it's about it, it it just it brings a measured approach you know something that is consistent and kind of it it gives you feedback it gives you data without giving you the the precise data because you either you, again you have to be honest with yourself you have to tell yourself did i accomplish that within that part time or not and uh you know we're I actually, I'm, I'm a big believer and proponent in giving people the benefit of the doubt. But when I'm in my dry fire, I try to not give myself the benefit of the doubt, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like, 
if it, if I thought it was close to being within that part-time or not, if, probably wasn't. So let's do it again. Let's see if we can nail it, you know, that kind of thing. And and that the whole point there is that the motivation, the motivating factor for me is I want to improve. And the way we improve is just by constantly pushing. By the way, I looked it up. Uh, the episode with John Korea is titled, What is Your Go Signal? And it's episode number 324, published on June 11th, 2019. There you go. Uh, about a year and a half ago. Uh, so, Guys, we need to wrap this episode up. Thank you for being here with us today. We wish you a happy new year and hopefully an awesome 2021 for everybody. Stay tuned again for the next episode. It will be from me and Jacob as we talk about uh, the the year 2020 in review from the perspective of the Concealed Carry Podcast and the ConcealedCarry.com team. Uh, so goodbye 2020. Hello 2021. And, uh, yeah, granted those of you listening to the audio podcast are catching this after, you know, this will be published in the first week of the new year. Uh, but, uh, guys go, go take life by the horns and let's go crush 2021. I'm looking forward to a great year for myself, my family, for our team here, for Matthew. And again, all of you guys that support us and what we do here at concealedcarry.com headquarters. Even though I'm not at the headquarters. <laughs> Matthew, we have to do a giveaway though before we send people away. This is the weekly podcast giveaway that people can sign up for at concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. And we're giving away a, a free, uh, it, it's an introductory license to the Laser X software. Is that correct? That is correct. One month of Laser X. So who do we got? Here's drum roll. We picked a random winner, and uh, who's it going to be? Our winner is Miss Sherry, spelled C-H-E-R-R-I. That's a cool way to spell it. Uh, I will send you an email just now, and uh, be sure to get back to us so we can uh, send you your free month of Laser X software, all the stuff that we've been talking about. Awesome. Congrats, Sherry. We, uh, we congratulate you for that, guys. Remember, by signing up on a weekly basis, you have each week a fresh chance at winning prizes from us here at the Concealed Carry Podcast. Uh, and what do, what do we have on the docket for next week? What are we giving away next week? Next week, we're giving away one of our Legal Boundaries by State book. Legal Boundaries by State book? Yeah. Courtesy of ConcealedCarry.com. Guys, go sign up at ConcealedCarry.com forward slash podcast prize. Well, that brings us to the end. Uh, Got to wrap it up. So a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. <laughs>